In the previous episode, I introduced the poet Mahmoud Darwish and gave a brief recitation of one of his shorter poems. In this episode, I will recite a couple of poems that will tell us something about his inspirations as a writer. The first poem is Dhabna ila Adan, We Went to Adan, from his collection Fewer Roses in 1986. But before I begin reciting, I want to say a brief word about Adan, the namesake of the poem. It is a port city located in the Yemen. There will be a mention of paradise in the poem, which may refer to the theory that Adan is where the word Eden, as in the Garden of Eden, comes from. It is thought by some that this is where the Garden of Eden truly was at a certain point in time. Of course, it would not be in recent history, since the Yemen is known for its beautiful and mostly barren landscape of mountains and deserts. But for now, the poem. We went to Aden ahead of our dreams. The moon was shining on the wing of a crow. We gazed at the sea. For whom does the sea toll these bells? To let us hear our own rhythms. We went to Aden in advance of our history. The Yemen was mourning Imru al-Qais, erasing images and chewing the cut leaves. Didn't you realize, friend, that we were following the Caesar of our time? We went to the poverty-stricken paradise of the Fakirs, so as to open windows in the rocks. We are besieged by tribes, friend, stricken by misfortunes. Yet we didn't trade the bread of the trees for the enemy's loaf. Aren't we still entitled to believe in our dreams and to doubt this homeland? And the first thing to note is the mention of Imru al-Qais. I will recite this section in Arabic now, and then repeat it in English. ذهبنا إلى عدن قبل تاريخنا فوجدنا اليمن حزينا على إمرو القيس يمضع قاطا ويمحو الصور أما كنت تدرك يا صاحبي أننا لاحقان بقيصر هذا الزمن We went to Aden in advance of our history The Yemen was mourning إمرو القيس erasing images and chewing the cut leaves Didn't you realize friend that we were following the Caesar of our time? Imru al-Qais was an Arab poet who lived before the Islamic period, from the early to the mid-6th century of the Common Era. He is credited with writing the first of the seven legendary Arab poems, known as Al-Mu'allaqat, or the Hanging Odes. The reason they were so-called is disputed. One theory is that they were written on long pieces of linen and suspended from Al-Kaaba, the temple of the pagan Arabs at the time now the holiest site in Islam. Another, more likely theory is that it was figurative. The poems would hang in one's mind, owing to their flow and their beauty. Imru al-Qais's poem was called Let Us Stop and Weep. It was about a man visiting the ruins of a home and lamenting the loss of his beloved. As a poem, it is full of poetic devices, such as metaphoric comparisons and a shifting from one theme to the next. Darwish, referring to Imru al-Qais as the Caesar of our time, makes his influence on Arabic poetry, and on Darwish in particular, very clear. And this poem itself is a lamentation, for when he says, لَقَدْ We are besieged by tribes, my friend, and stricken by misfortunes. We will also see in future recitations similar poetic devices used by Darwish. The use of the phrase my friend and the plural 
of we multiple times gives this poem a very intimate feel. He's not telling a vast group of people something, but rather sharing with you, the reader, his feelings. The cut leaves which are being chewed during this morning of Imru al-Qais are a popular herbal plant in the Yemen as well as the east coast of Africa. They are a stimulant drug which can cause euphoria and a loss of appetite. It could indicate a state of intoxication, a state of not being fully with it and being lost in a way, which goes along with the erasure of the images. What these images might mean is not clear to me, perhaps a representation of the culture or history of this poet. Looking at Darwish's physical appearance, he is a slightly messy, bespectacled intellectual. He gives you the impression of a creative, whimsical mind, always in a daydream. You would not think of him as a mystic, yet the poem evokes a sense of mysticism, for it mentions visiting the poverty-stricken paradise of the fakirs. The word fakirs in the original Arabic poem is actually al-fuqra al-faqirati. It is taken from the Arabic word faqir, meaning one who is poor, and it literally means the poor of the poor. It was adopted in India as a word to describe people who lead simple, non-material lives for spiritual reasons, often leading a very monastic lifestyle. In regards to Arabic and the Islamic religion, it refers to the practitioners of Sufi Islam, a very mystical and spiritual interpretation of the Islamic faith. As a side point, the name Darwish, I believe, is where the word dervish comes from, as in the whirling dervishes of certain Sufi groups. They are known for their meditation, in which they spin constantly in their iconic flowing robes, in order to enter a trance-like state in the remembrance of the divine. This constant whirling, it is said, represents the spinning of the celestial bodies as they orbit the sun. Islam as a faith is closely connected to the Arabic language and changed the fate of the Arabs as a people. In fact, the importance of the Qur'an as a scripture pushed the Arabs to develop their writing into the beautiful scripts we see today. Before then, poems such as the Mu'allaqat were largely passed down by word of mouth. They were part of a strong oral tradition. The revelation of the Qur'an as the word of God meant that the rudimentary alphabet was developed and beautified so that it is deemed worthy of preserving these divine revelations. The roots of Arabic poetry precede the Islamic faith and have grown through it. To me, the poem is an homage to these very roots. The next poem I will recite is The next poem I will recite is I see my ghost coming from afar. And this poem is from his collection Why Have You Left the Horse Alone in 1995 and is filled with references of poets, literature, religion, and history. Like a balcony, I gaze upon whatever I desire. I see my friends bearing the evening mail, wine, bread, a few novels and records. I gaze upon a seagull and troop trucks arriving to change the trees of this place. I gaze upon the dog of the neighbor who left Canada a year and a half ago. I gaze upon the name of Al-Mutanabbi, journeying from Tiberias to Egypt, on a horse of song. I gaze upon the Persian flower leaping the iron fence. Like a balcony, I gaze upon whatever I desire. I gaze upon trees guarding the night from the night and the sleep of those who would wish me death. I gaze upon the wind chasing the wind so that it might find a home in the wind. I gaze upon a woman basking in herself 
I gaze upon the procession of ancient prophets climbing barefoot to Jerusalem, and I ask, will there be a new prophet for this new time? Like a balcony, I gaze upon whatever I desire. I gaze upon my image hurrying away from itself, ascending the stone stairs, my mother's scarf in her hand flapping in the wind. What might happen if I were a child again, and if you came back to me, and I came back to you? I gaze upon the trunk of the olive tree that hid Zechariah. I gaze upon the extinct words in the Arabic dictionary. I gaze upon the Persians, the Romans, the Sumerians, and the new refugees. I gaze upon the necklace of one of Tagore's woman fakirs, as it is crushed by the carriage of a handsome emir. I gaze upon a hooper, tired of his king's blame. I gaze upon the unseen. What will come after the ashes? I gaze upon my body frightened from afar. Like a balcony, I gaze upon whatever I desire. I gaze upon my language. A little absence is enough for Aeschylus to open the door to peace, for Antonio to make a brief speech at the outbreak of war, for me to hold a woman's hand in my hand, to embrace my freedom, and for my body to begin its ebb and tide anew. Like a balcony, I gaze upon whatever I desire. I gaze upon my ghost approaching from afar. As with last time, there is yet another reference to an Arab poet, Al-Mutanabbi, or his full name, Abu Al-Tayyab Ahmad ibn Al-Hussein Al-Mutanabbi Al-Kindi. Unlike Imru Al-Qais referred to in the previous poem, We Went to Adam, Al-Mutanabbi lived in the post-Islamic Arab world. He was originally from Iraq, but received an education in Damascus, Syria, and served as a court poet in places such as the Emirate of Aleppo, under Saif al-Din. He has over 300 portfolios of poetry under his name, including praise for those he served, descriptions of battles, and satire. As an accomplished poet in his time, he gained a lot of wealth and gifts for his words. His journey from Tiberias to Egypt, described as being on a horse of song, likely refers to his parting of ways with Saif al-Din and heading to Egypt. There he served under Abu al-Misk a former Nubian slave, who was made vizier and ruler of Egypt and South Syria. He was dismissed, however, as Abu al-Misk saw him as a threat to his position. Darwish mentions later in the poem, I gaze upon the procession of ancient prophets climbing barefoot to Jerusalem, and I ask if there will be a new prophet for this new time. I don't know if the non-Arabic speakers would have caught the word Jerusalem in this, but what is interesting is that Darwish did not use the traditional Arabic name for the holy city, which is Al-Quds, but rather the original ancient name of Ur-Shalim, from which the Hebrew name Yerushalayim comes from. The Ur part in Ur-Shalim is believed to mean a foundation of, and Shalim or Shalem is thought to be the name of an ancient Canaanite deity. Shalem is also believed to be the origin of the word Shalom in Hebrew and Salam in Arabic, meaning peace. From an Islamic perspective, the question of whether there will be future prophets is a very controversial one, for it is a central tenet in Islam that Muhammad is the seal of the prophets, the last one sent to mankind. 
anyone afterwards who claims to be a prophet is believed to be false. Jerusalem, seen as Palestine's heritage and a holy place of Islam, as well as the other Abrahamic faiths, is where the Prophet Muhammad was said to have met all the prophets that lived before him and to have prayed with them. However, the question in this context may be a play on the name of the poet Al-Mutanabbi, in that his name actually means the prophet to be, taken from the Arabic word for prophet, Nabi. It was a self-acquired moniker, as he thought of himself a prophet and had acquired followers. He was a practitioner of the Ismaili Shia sect of Islam and had led a revolt against the Sunni-led Abbasid Caliphate until he recanted. Only after then did he become a poet. With Al-Mutanabbi's influence on the Arabic language, Darwish's question on another prophet may be for a prophet of poetry rather than a prophet of religion. Today in Baghdad, Iraq, there is a street named after Al-Mutanabbi in which a statue of him can be seen, with one hand clutching his robe and another raised gracefully towards the sky in the middle of a recitation. Continuing with this theme of poetry and spirituality, Darwish makes a reference to a man named Tagore. أَطُلُّ عَلَىٰ عَقْدَ أَحَدِ فَقِرَاتِ تَاغُورِ تَطْحَنُهُ عَرَبَاتُ الْأَمِيرَ الْوَسِيمِ I gaze upon the necklace of one of Tagore's women fakirs as it is crushed by the carriage of a handsome emir. His full name, Rabindranath Tagore. He was a Bengali poet and writer. In 1913, he was the first non-European to win the Nobel Prize in Literature, and is known as the Bard of Bengal. Though I'm not sure what the woman fakirs, fakirs as described in my last reading, people who lived materially modest and spiritual lives, actually refers to. It may be towards Tagore's feminist leanings. In his novel, Jogajog, Tagore recognizes the plight of women restricted by things such as family, honor and duty as the main character, a woman, is caught between a rivalry between two rich families, one declining, another ascending and arrogant. The word emir is the Arabic for prince and may be referring to the antagonists in that novel. The cross between religion and Palestinian symbolism in the reference to Jerusalem is again repeated later. I gaze upon the trunk of the olive tree that hid Zachariah. Zachariah, or in the Arabic pronunciation, Zechariah is a prophet in the Islamic faith as well as a figure in the New Testament of the Bible. He is believed to be the father of John the Baptist, and a pious priest in the temple at Jerusalem was charged with being the guardian of the Virgin Mary. In such prophets is found a shared ground between the Islamic and Christian faiths. In Islamic theology, Zechariah was seen as ushering a new era of prophets, reinforcing God's word. I have not found a direct reference, but I have heard of the story of Zachariah being rejected as a prophet by the people and having to escape and hide among some olive trees. When he was caught, he was said to have been executed by being sawn in half, a death similar to that of Isaiah in the Bible. The olive tree has become a symbol of Palestinian steadfastness in what they face today. The hills of the West Bank, a fragmented land of settlements, checkpoints, barriers, cities and villages, is dotted with olive trees. These trees, which can live for hundreds of years, have a gnarled and ancient appearance. They represent longevity, prosperity, and the olive branch in particular represents peace. There are other more direct references to history. I gaze upon the Persians, 
the Romans, the Sumerians, and the new refugees. The Persians and the Romans have both ruled Palestine at some point in history. The Persian emperor, Cyrus the Great, liberated the Israelites from slavery in Babylon and allowed them to return to their kingdom. The Romans conquered Palestine and would rule it for around 600 years. Sumeria is credited with being the first civilization in the Near East, based at the eastern end of the Fertile Crescent on the border regions of what is now Iran and Iraq. Their agriculture allowed them to settle, build cities and develop the written word. As for the new refugees, the Ruish and his family themselves are refugees, even when they were able to return, unlike many of their compatriots, now in the West Bank, Gaza, Lebanon, Syria and Jordan. This image of the new refugees bears a greater sense of tragedy with the wider issue of displaced people today, with the crisis in Yemen, Syria, East Africa, Myanmar, among many other places. Then we have literary references. يكفي غياب قليل ليفتح أسخيليوس الباب للسلم يكفي خطاب قصير ليشعل أنطونيا الحرب A little absence is enough for Aeschylus to open the door to peace for Antonio to make a brief speech at the outbreak of war. Aeschylus was a Greek writer and is considered to be the father of Greek tragedy. His most famous play is Prometheus Bound about the titan who gave the gift of fire to mankind and was punished by Zeus as a result. Antonio and the speech likely refers to Mark Antony in Shakespeare's play Julius Caesar, when Julius is betrayed and stabbed to death on the floor of the Roman Senate. The general Mark Antony is invited to give a speech. It famously begins with, Friends, Romans, countrymen, lend me your ears, and ends with a civil war. These references are mixed with the more personal life of the Ruish, his friends carrying wine, bread, novels and records, paint a picture of the company he might have kept. A group of open-minded intellectuals who gather in the evening to have high-brow discussions about literature and the arts. For Darwish's sophistication, shall we say, is on their display in this poem. The image from his childhood of his mother ascending the stone stairs of their home with a scarf in her hand, flapping in the wind, might be from before the war, when his family were driven from the village of Brue. For the wish to gaze upon all of these things from a place as simple as a balcony shows that he regards his homeland with wonder and appreciation, recognizing the various influences on himself as a poet and a writer, as well as on the land in which he lives. I hope that this gives you an appreciation of Darwish's more intellectual background, which will help us understand him in the coming recitations. So thank you for listening, and I hope you have taken something away, as I have.